you're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining us once again, Kevin Durso. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a busy week. It's a lot of a, stuff going on. It's been a busy week. You had a couple of Flyers games. We'll talk about those in a minute. Uh, there was some off-ice stuff. We'll talk about that, too. Some some contract extensions. It's been a busy week. Right. So, sure. like, off-ice stuff that is good, off-ice stuff that is not so good. Um, al- There was an alumni game in, thrown in there, which was fun. So, we'll talk about all that stuff. But, Absolutely. You know, but, but there was a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. like... We'll get into later because obviously the break is here as we get to right. the current team where everything's going. The break couldn't come at a better time for, I think, everybody. And not, I'm not like we'll get to the team, obviously, but like it's a great time to have a week off. Right. Everybody, I, everybody that I know of that's working around this couldn't wait for the week to be over so that we could just sit there and say there's a week off. Totally. And as we're diving into it here, um, follow us on social media. We're at YWT Podcast pretty much everywhere. Kevin is at Kevin underscore Durso. Find us everywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, okay, so diving right into it. Um, there was a game Tuesday. We'll talk about that later. Uh, the big story kind of happened early Tuesday where it comes out that Sam Harrison is starting um, because Carter Hart has taken an indefinite leave of absence. Well, that's not how it started. Okay. Because Sam Harrison was just starting. Oh, and he that was? was in, okay. Well, that was in the morning. So in the morning, John Tortorella had his usual pregame media. They had a morning skate. Tortorella tells tells everybody Harrison's the one who's starting. It, it was going to be back-to-back starts for Harrison, and Harrison had come in on Saturday against Colorado in the third period too. So he right. came in on, you know, came in for the third period, started Sunday, was now going to start Tuesday. So there was a and there was a question asked about, you know, you kind of had this rotation going. What you know is there any specific reason behind, you know, whatever? And all that Tortorella said at that given moment, because nothing was actually out there yet, was we 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 want just want another look at Sam. That's what we're doing here, which, right. which to be honest, really wasn't anything to like, it wasn't anything no. significant to be honest, because of the fact that let's do this way. And I've talked about this on the weeks prior. There was a lot of discussion that every time a soft goal would go in for one guy because he wasn't the shiny new toy, like Sam Harrison was, I, you kept getting, why don't they start Harrison more? Harrison should be the number one guy. Why, you know, put him in. So there really wasn't any reason to look at it like anything. There was probably sure. people who were just looking, going, well, he's played better. That's I why he's saying. Start. And for the most part, he's played well and earned that. Right. He's played better. Yeah. So maybe that's just the reason he gets to start. They wanted to give him another chance. He had given up four goals against Ottawa that weren't completely his fault either. Oof, you know, like, man, that was a tough one. Right. So a couple weird bounces. Right. So just want another look. Okay. Fine. So I, the news, the news that we're referring to with Carter Hart came out at about four o'clock on Tuesday, three hours prior to the game. And the reason why I know that so specifically off the top of my head is because I'm not even kidding when I tell you this. I practically had one foot out the door <laughs> to go to the game. And I saw the news and basically had to make a decision right then and there. I can get in the car and start driving and write this up when I get there which is going to be at least an hour later where right. I turn around and I do this now quickly because, because ultimately there's not much of a story there. Like to put it up right. there, you're showing that the statement was made that, that there's a release about him taking a leave of absence and you give a couple pieces of information about 
what he's done to this point this season and mention that this is developing. That's yep. about all you can say. There's not a lot of factual information that you can write into a story like that. So I turned around and I wrote the story really quickly. You know, probably still delayed me about 20 minutes or so before I got on the road to actually get there. But then, you know, and I got there and that was then the rest of the night was there's a game going on. That was about it. You know, and obviously he wasn't there and Cal Peterson was, and that was the way it was going to be. Simple as that. Yep. I guess to get into this, you know, and I got, I got it. I'm going to say right off the top, all we can say is what we know. Correct. So any speculation yep. is reckless, but I do understand if there are people who are going to connect the dots based on what we know as factual to this point. Right. So that's exactly how I'm going to present this. And it has to be done, uh, to me anyway, it has to be done a little out of chronological order, but you'll get the picture the best way if I do it this way. So okay. I really want to start with on Wednesday morning, there's a report out from the Globe and Mail that states that five players on the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team are being told to surrender to London police on pending sexual assault charges. Right. We go backwards. Less than 24 hours before that report is out, that's when the word... Uh, the release of Carter Hart taking and being granted a an indefinite leave of absence by the Flyers. That's when that's out. Right. Two days prior to that, which was last Sunday, Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames was granted a leave of absence. Who was also a member of that? Well, I was going to get there. Yeah. Uh, in the hours that immediately followed the report being out, it was announced that Alex Formenton took a leave of absence from his Swiss League team to return to Canada. Yep. And Michael McLeod and Cal Foote of the New Jersey Devils were also granted a leave of absence. That's five players who were all teammates on that 2018 world junior team, all taking a leave of absence within 72 hours. And later on Wednesday afternoon, the London police department announced that they anticipate having a press conference on February 5th in regards to the public interest surrounding this investigation. Do with that what you will. Again, it's reckless to speculate, but there's a lot of dots that can be connected from just those facts. One thing I did want to mention here is mm -hmm. um, the Dylan Dubé release in particular. Yeah, I already know. And I almost said this in the thing, but I know. Yeah. What you know. Mentioned that he was, that this leave was for his mental health. And now I am not speculating. And if that is the case, then I wish Dylan Dubé the best in his whatever whatever he is doing to to rectify the problem but if it comes out that he is a part of this and assuming the calgary flames knew that then using his mental health as a shield for this is um deplorable it is uncomfortable it is not a good look. I just wanted to put that out there. Well, please, it, please continue. <laughs> well, there's another, and there's another reason for that, by the way, because it's especially wrong to cite that as your reasoning in this. If it turns out to be what people are connecting the dots right. for it to be when there's a player on that very team that hadn't played in 20 months. And I think they, and it was from what I understand, that's it was related to that also. Like in terms of re right. related to that player's mental health. Right. 
Sure. That's that's what's really kind of despicable well, and, about that and, designation is that and, is that Oliver Shillington just came back. Well, and that's just why came no, back. And months. that's why nobody batted an eye at it when he was well the first the first statement issued. So you know you're not necessarily connecting any sort of dots. <laughs> Even in speculation form, and we're still you, not. That's fine. Right. Well, but you know what? You but did know. Because, no, no, I'm saying as an, as a, the fans, us as the fans did not know because th this organization has done it in the past. They have shown that they've been willing to let players step away for their Well, le the league in general is. Right. Um, now, I wouldn't, I'm not going to sit here and act like as soon as I saw whose name was attached to it and could at least connect that he was on that roster that you didn't think of something was a little up. Okay. That's fair. that's that's. And, and I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to speculate that that's the reason it's just, it was just one of these things where it's like, I'll be honest oh, with you. Oh, that's interesting. And Oh, by the way, wasn't he on that team? That was I, like, that was the way I looked at it. I think the only reason I didn't do that is because they cited his mental health and I, Maybe, but then that's, you know, it, that's, that's what I'm much. saying. No, that's what I'm saying. And if that turned, like I said, if that's not the case, Dylan Dubé, we wish you the best in your sure. in well, because your he's not the only. He certainly, if that if that turns out, to, if that Absolutely. was the case, he's not the only one who goes through it. In, in that fact, entire team needs therapy. Well, it, well, in fact, and this is you know this is something I want to watch when I get a chance to. It, I think it's going to be yeah. on ESPN Plus now. It was originally an Amazon uh, Amazon Prime Canada thing, I think it was, but okay. they have this documentary on Alexander Dag. Ooh. Um, that was called the chosen one. And basically it was about how, you know, this guy who was the first overall pick of his draft never amounted to what people thought it was what or what he could be. And there was a lot that from what I could see on social, there was a lot of discussion about how basically the premise or the big theme of this documentary was mental health was not talked about when he, you know, from his draft year through the late nineties, it was not talked about 20 years ago, the way right. that it is now. And maybe that would have changed things for a player like that, who felt, you know, where, where you felt like you couldn't talk about it. So, totally. so certainly things have come far enough that players are able to cite mental health as a reasoning behind, I need to step away from this in some way. Right. That said, that's not, you know, it's going to be a bad look if it turns out to be what everybody can connect the dots to. Of course. That's of the course. thing. And like, so, you know, and so, you know, with all that just being out there without going any further than that into what it could mean. From a hockey standpoint, it means the Flyers are without Carter Hart for the foreseeable future. Yep. Bare minimum. Certainly the hockey aspect of this is not important in the grand scheme of things, as, right. you know, but without any further factual statements that can be made besides what we've already said, right. that's and as far as we can take this for now. And then hopefully there will be clarity soon. But really, like, that's the only other way you can also look at it, right? Like, we can list all those facts. We can say connect the dots if you want to connect the dots. And then the only other thing that you can talk about as repercussion of this right now is the Flyers don't have Carter Hart for the right. foreseeable future. That's it. There's nothing yeah. else that we can talk about. In fact, we're stuck uh, right and, now. Yeah, I think it's a good time to get out of this. It's, well, right, it's, right, right now, we're stuck, else to talk well, about. right, right now, the biggest thing that you've got in front of you from this whole thing is a date of a potential press conference. Right. That's what you've got. Guess what that you know? Guess what that means next? Like next week, we're going to do a show next week, and we're not talking about this because there's not Absolutely. going to be anything new. And the only other thing that I'm going to throw out there be is because I I happened to this wasn't even something I was digging for, or looking for anything. I happened to have Hockey Night in Canada on on Saturday, and they did the headlines in between the second and third period, I believe, with Elliot Friedman. 
and Friedman basically expressed it like, yes, there's this press conference that they intend to have, but this is probably going to be a really long process of getting answers. Right. So like kind of like kind of giving a brace yourself. This is going to take a lot of time. It's one of those situations where we only have a couple of facts and the only, yeah. And the only fact you have and drawing any sort of lines between those facts would be done in crayon. Like it's not the only facts, right? Because the only facts you have are these five players have stepped away from their teams. That's what you've got. And, and, they, and uh, that there's a press conference on February 5th. Well, and, and again, you That's also, all we know. Well, well, and, and well, in fact, also, and this is why I said with the connect the dots thing, fact is five players who all happen to be teammates on the same junior team have all stepped away within 72 hours. And there's a report out do yep. with that what you will. Yep. Because, because to an extent, as much as it was a report that there's five people and you know, that, that have been you know, asked or requested by London police to surrender. Right. London police didn't like originally had no comment for this. And then later in the afternoon have, we, we, we anticipate a press conference. Right. Isn't that a little indirectly confirmation? Right. You right. know what I mean? Like a confirmation that the report is legit, that there's five sure. people that you're looking. It certainly to turn themselves some credibility in. to it. You certainly. know what I mean? Like, just saying. So, yeah, I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I, the only other thing I will say about this is that um, Danny Briere happened to be speaking on Wednesday. That's another thing this week that happened that we didn't even yep. mention off the top. Um, that was pre-scheduled. It had nothing to do with Carter Hart specifically and the leave of absence and all that stuff. Right. But Briere didn't speak until 11 in the morning on Wednesday. The report by then had been out. I think literally while he was speaking or in the time frame he was speaking, Right around it was when Formentin's leave came up. And then at the very least, the the leave of absence for McLeod and Foot didn't become official maybe until early afternoon with like a team release. Right. But there were people who cover the cover the devils that were already saying, Hey, these two guys are not at practice today and they were not at a team event the night before. That and had it started to right, and like people basically were waiting guys. for it. Yes. Right. Um but Briere was so Briere was pre-scheduled to speak, came in and essentially made a statement right off the top about about this and could have just left, you know, could have just left it at this is Carter Hart's personal business. We're we're not taking any questions or making comments at this time. Right. We're respecting his privacy. And left it at that. Instead, he said. They were aware of the report and all questions should go to the league. And that's really all they can say about it at this time, unfortunately. Right. That's very different from what you could have said if there may be nothing to it. Just saying that, too. Yeah. Yeah. But again, we're we're not trying to draw too many conclusions here. It, no, we're it, not. I'm just saying he could have said he could have just dismissed it and said, that you know, Carter's privacy is important to us. We're not do we're not making any comments out of that. We're respecting his privacy. Right. And not acknowledged anything. The acknowledgement of the report feeds well, I into think, it a little bit. I That's think he I'm knew saying. that if he didn't acknowledge it, he was going to be asked about it. So just getting out of right, it. Right, but know. he could have but he could have also said you know, backed it, you know, backed it up further, just or just again, you know, whatever it was. The fact that he had a prepared statement on that specific issue says a lot. Okay. That's all. Yeah. 
And with so, and, and with that, I think for now, until we have more information, we get off of this topic. Yeah, let's get into a much more pleasant topic. Uh, the fact that the Flyers have lost five straight. Hey. <laughs> um, no, so I, well, I kind of warned you this was possible. Absolutely, and we talked on last week's show about kind of how many points you needed to get this week to stay in a comfortable playoff position, and you know, did did you need three? Did you need four? Did you need five? They got zero. Two, two would have sufficed in the grand scheme of things when we look at it, right? Absolutely. The the they the Flyers do still remain in the third playoff spot in the Metropolitan Division, um, but somehow would not qualify for a wild card spot. Atlantic has both wild card spots right now, so yeah, uh, that that's one of the interesting parts is that they you know weird. and I didn't really write this part down, but they've become the lowest in point total of the playoff teams. The Metro's struggling. The, the whole me- there's a lot of teams out there that are struggling, and and and. It, it's a it's a valid point because like I saw Charlie O'Connor tweet last night about I get that players want the bye week, but the amount of injuries that you see, the amount of guys that look run down, the amount of teams that are struggling with those things right now kind of makes you wonder, is this all really worth it? Right. Like basically like, compressing to make up, the rest well, of well, the rest well, because, of the schedule. Well, because to make up for well, right to make up for the rest of like for the one week that you want off in the middle of this thing. We're going to put all these games in January. So you play 15 times before the all-star break. Right. There you go. Have fun. You know, is it really worth it? And I add like, to be honest, there's another level of this that I had context to because all of a sudden we get to the playoffs and all of a sudden travel days and rest days are really important all of a sudden because you don't want the quality of the playoffs to slip. Whereas the quality of the regular season is slipping because it's not just, you know, it's not just the flyers that are on a slide. Half of the Metro was on a slide. The LA Kings are playing terrible. Um, You've got other teams that were kind of in a playoff spot that are now slipping a little bit. You've got teams that are playing well, obviously. I mean, what more can you say about the Edmonton Oilers and the fact that they're approaching NHL record status or the fact that right now, every time that, you know, every time that Nathan McKinnon or Nikita Kucherov touch the ice, you're getting MVP like performances on a nightly basis. And that's great. I mean, even, you know, like they bounced back a little bit toward the end of this thing, but even the Rangers went through a dip and they're leading the division. Yep. And they're still clinging on to that division. Carolina's made their run. They've looked, they've they've looked better. Yep. They've, they're kind of, they've been a little up and down. They've come along a little bit recently. Um, Right. And it, it's it's honestly a really 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 good year for the Flyers to be here though because the Islanders are having a bad season, the Penguins are having a bad season, the Devils are having a bad season, the Capitals are having a bad season. We knew Columbus was going to be bad, but all these teams that we thought were going to be fighting for playoff positions and like don't get me wrong, there's plenty of season left. They're only 5 or 6 points out. If the Flyers fall off a cliff here, right? You've lost 5 straight. Right. If, if you come out of the All-Star break and lose 5 more, you're definitely not making the playoffs, right? And, and I want to put like all those it, teams right back in. Well, and I want to liken it to like like fell off a cliff is something like that was sent to me in the middle of I forget whether it was the Boston game or the Detroit game, but either way, okay. it was sent to me during the course of the week. And it's like in the back of my mind, I wanted to sit there and go, not really, because they were in that Colorado game, they should have won the Ottawa game, and they were in the Tampa game. Like they're still competitive. Like I agree. Go, look back on three games earlier this month before we get to the last two. Look back on playing Edmonton to start January, and then playing Colorado last Saturday and and Tampa this Tuesday. Why'd you lose those games? Because an MVP quality player played like one and dominated. Yep. Straight up, you lost to Edmonton because Connor McDavid went off. You lost to Colorado because Nathan McKinnon went off, and you lost to Tampa because Nikita Kucherov went off. 
That's it. That's all. And you can argue that you lost to Detroit because Alex Lyon went off. You could argue that. And well, let's put this way. You got goalied a little bit. Well, well, guess what? Why'd you lose to Boston when it came down to it? You lost to Boston because one line was great. Oh, boy. For four and a half minutes. No, well, later in the period or later in the second, <laughs> no, that's too, they, 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 well, and, and technically into the third, because part of that line was out there and then no, definitely but they were in between a line change and, and the last goal that they scored in that one. But, but how, four, it, but, but four goals where that same line factors in one way or the other. I mean, David Pasternak's all over the place, noted flyer killer, by the way. So you knew that was coming. Yeah. And honestly, tell me when it's five, two, that if they score one more, they're not back in that game. Like they're still, well, you know, they, they, they scored, almost did they scored. Right. I know. And they scored the five, two goal with enough time left. And that's, that's the crazy thing about this team is they have given you reason to believe, right? They scored that five, two goal with enough time left that you go, Oh, they could do it. Absolutely. We've seen them do it before. We've saw them do it against Detroit. We've seen the, them almost do it against other teams. The like, problem in the Boston game was the fact that it really snowballed. If it was right, if you get out of that first period two nothing, you probably have a better shot of winning that game, obviously. Or yeah, or if it's three one and you get one before the end of the first the one like problem, that. Yeah. the one problem that they are going to have right now is with the exception of the Ottawa game, they have gone out against Colorado, Tampa. Detroit and Boston and fallen behind three, nothing at yep. some point in the game. That is recipe for failure. Right. And again, like that they're going to punish. Right. You. Well, it's, it's, it doesn't even have to do with the fact that they're going to continue to punish you. It's you're now chasing, which means yep. you're going to be spent by the time, even if you get it to a goal, like they did against Tampa or like they did against Colorado, you are using so much of that energy and, they desperately needed like like as you're watching the wheels fall off at the end of what was otherwise right. a pretty solid first period against Boston. You're sitting there going, they need the break. Yep. They bad. need this break in the worst possible way because you need to clear your head and and just get away from it for a while. You like, know who they get first two games out of the break. I know Florida and when oh don't, don't we're not doing we're not doing a technical looking no, ahead section because there's no games, but I do want to point out the fact that when they come back and you're playing just, two top six teams well, in the league. I'm, I'm taking it a different direction, so just hear me out. Yep. You're playing Florida and then Winnipeg, which, yes, are right there at the top. You're playing Seattle, who is very much alive in the playoff race, followed by Arizona, who is very much alive in the playoff race, that like that needs games. They need points to get themselves into that picture. You get Toronto after that, who's right there, you know, as a wild card team is better than they, you know, that Toronto to game is going to be way bigger than we thought it was going to be looking at that coming into the sure. preseason for both. And, teams. That, and then, you know, what's next stadium series right away. And the stadium okay. series may actually be like one of the easy, like the devils may be not easier, but maybe one of the lighter opponents on it's this. One schedule. of the softer matchups in the well, first well, two compared weeks to what the they break. play. But yeah. my point is let again, Florida, Winnipeg, Seattle battling, you know, Arizona battling Toronto in a wild card spot. There's a way where if you don't fix what's wrong, you're staring right down the barrel of another 10 game losing streak. Right. Well, and yeah, absolutely. Well, because, and, and I'm saying this also because right, just, just going off of right now, Florida's got a player. Well, and they've got multiple, obviously they're a talented team, but Florida's got one player in particular who's scoring at a clip unlike he ever has before could potentially help take over a game. If Sam Reinhart gets going and he's done well against the Flyers in the past. It's so you know, wild. Could, Sam Reinhart has going. 37 goals at the All-Star right. break. Like what? Now then you go to then you go with Winnipeg. 
Now, Winnipeg, you know there's the potential to get goalied because of Connor Hellebuck, who doesn't give up a ton. And then adding the fact that Kyle Connor's back, Mark Shifley's probably in the lineup, totally different team than you played the first time around. They've got takeover-the-game level players. We'll just see what happens with that. You know, Seattle and Arizona, it's a lot more by committee. I get that. Always a chance to win, you know, especially if you lose the first two coming out of the break because those teams are where they are. You're not feeling good about yourself. Always a chance you let things slip. And then, oh, by the way, you get a guy who's on pace for, I don't know, what, isn't he on pace for 70? Man, where's where's optimistic Kevin from two weeks ago? Because I'm seeing things that are troubling. And two weeks ago, you were ready to, you know, buy the conference final tickets, you know. No, I wasn't worried about the conference I final know. tickets. But, but, but to a degree, how far are you supposed to go with something? I think by that point, we were at the halfway point, like at 41 games anyway. And you're uh, sitting there and, and you're sitting there at 41 games going in the middle or at least somewhere close to that. You're going, you can't ignore it anymore. They're halfway through the year and they're in this spot and they're still winning with yeah. regularity. And well, now it stopped. You had you hit a slide. Well, and so what I'm thinking is over the last, especially the last week, but really over the last two here, since the losing streak has started, it's not even necessarily, it's one of those things that hockey is a game that's just this close at all times. And a bounce here, a bounce there kind of swings the other direction. And I'd be interested to see what the advanced analytics say on it. And I have not done the the, the research, so I may have to look on that. Um, but I'd be curious to see what kind of their PDO looks like over the last two weeks because it sure. seems as though it's been a lot of weird, funky deflection goals, a lot of fluttery nonsense. Like well for a cut there were a couple of games like that, yes. And but look, there's a reason there's a reason why in this, and this is maybe maybe this is what's doing it to me a little bit. If you want me to go there, is there's a reason why losing last Sunday to Ottawa after you led three to one felt the way yeah, you did. That when hurt. those situations happen, you need points. Ottawa's at the bottom of the conference. You have a three-one lead. You gotta finish that. Simple as that. No, you're and right. Especially, you know, especially if you want to be a playoff team this year. If you can't afford to have lengthy losing streaks. And it's one thing to lose five straight and two of the games go to overtime and you get something show for it a little bit. Like if we're talking about no three and two record, we're probably sitting here feeling fine about the way that the standings look because they'll like at that point, they'll be still within at that point. They would still be within two or three of, of Carolina for second. The gap between third and fourth in the division would not be four. It would be something like six and you'd be feeling way more comfortable about that at the all star break. Okay. It's five regulation losses. That's the problem. I'm gonna I'm gonna buoy the bandwagon a little bit here. Okay. <laughs> this team did not make it through the first 40 games, mm-hmm. 44 games by getting lucky bounces and by this, that, the other. They got there by outworking other teams. They got there by on most nights being the better team working harder than other teams playing together better than other teams did. Would you agree? You generally speaking on that? Yeah, absolutely. They had a bad week. They had a bad two weeks. Like you said, they've played 417 games since Christmas. (laughs) They are a young team that might not necessarily have the legs built up for the long-term NHL season, a bunch of kids who came through the college system, etc. Right. Give them their week off. 
go to oh i'm Panama don't worry City about beach it. or wherever 17 year olds go um <laughs> 21 year olds go whatever um let them go wherever let them rest up for a week when they come back the schedule is a tiny bit less compressed I'm willing to give this team some runway. They, well, they have uh, they have earned a little runway. In the sure, standings. and I'm. Well, you're getting. So you're getting ahead of where I have all this. Okay, like, I, I didn't mean to come in with this like it's over. <laughs> Man, like, it sure sounds like it. This is well, no, it's day, it's Kevin. Well, well, no, because because I'm, what I'm trying to brace people for is don't be shocked if this is where it falls apart. Like there's an element where you can sit there, you look, you say it's really leaking oil right now. It's it's getting to a point where if this if this doesn't get corrected early after the break, this might be where you fall apart. And I don't and, disagree and, with and, that. Right. And it has to do with a lot of things. You already mentioned younger players who may not have played this much. It has, you know, Sean Couturier has been trying to carry a load at, at top line center for the season, yep. and he's done a really good job of it. But he hadn't played in nearly two years. You're now 50 games into a season. He's played in 46 of them, I believe. Like good that. luck, but, you know. Good luck if if you're you're starting to get banged up and you're start and you don't get a lot of time. Like in January, you didn't get a lot of time between games, so the, the that's why I'm saying the week couldn't come at a better time. Oh yeah, off. I agree. So you you know, and I'm just saying if you don't come out on the other side playing more like the team that you were when you were winning five games in a row before this, then it's probably not going to end well. Just just for context, you know, they won against Dallas for their fifth in a row which was what was now 10, 11 days ago at this point, they had, it was as far, it was about as convincing a win as they had had all season. They had a 25, they had a 25, 14 and six record, 56 points in the standings. And they had a plus 14 goal differential 45 games into the season. So that's why I also sounded the way that I did with some of his, because there was a growing reason to believe in this team and their ability to do this all year long, because they were doing it at this point. 45 games in and you're not you don't even have a third of the a third of those games being regulation losses that was remarkable for what we expected absolutely and while they were competitive in some of these games you could see how this was starting to get to where we are now it was leaking oil and by the time they faced the red wings and the bruins they just desperately needed the break and so just in these five games that they've played their goal differential over the five games is minus 15, which brings them back to a season total of minus one. The record is back to 25, 19, and six, which really just equates to 25 wins, 25 losses. It's literal 500, games. right? Right. And as much as we can point out that they are at the all-star break, still third in the Metro, still four points up on a playoff spot and on fourth place and didn't really lose that much ground, if this is how the final 32 go and it's going to run on fumes and it's going to start to get ugly, they're not going to make the playoffs because yeah. these other teams are going to have more consistency and have better talent that they will take care of it just by playing the flyers themselves. Simple as that there's like even down to they've played 50 and all these other teams. Now, some of them aren't that big of a deal. The Islanders only having a game at, in hand, not a big deal. It's a four-point gap. They only have the opportunity to pick up two for the games that the extra games they have to play. But the Penguins have four. The Devils have three. You know, the, the Capitals have three. And as much as I don't like look at some of those teams and say they haven't played with consistency the way that I would expect a playoff team to either, 
they've got the opportunity to change that narrative quick. And you think about like, like a team well, like the devils to me is the one that really stands out because I sit there and I they go, they have the kinds of players that can turn it on and they don't, but they don't right now. They're, they're going out every night without Jack Hughes. As soon as Jack Hughes is back, that changes things for them. And, yep. and, and if you're close enough, go on a little bit of a run and watch what happens. That's what I'm talking about. Right. I want, I do want to put all of this in perspective though, because after the way the first and and I came right out with this, you know, I know I just did the doom and gloom thing to start this whole thing off a little bit. And part of that is because I've seen this from the fan base, like five, five losses in a row will bring out some bad reactions from the fan base. I am. I'm not saying it's the entire fan base, but I, and I'm not, and I didn't even come in saying it like this. All I was trying to do was sit there and say, listen, five losses in a row. If you're just looking at playoffs, that hurts and the optimism needs to go down a little bit because it just does. The reality is if this is what you're going to get, you're not making the playoffs. They have to get back to what they were. If that's going to happen. What I want to put in perspective is that there's a lot of people that I saw that were delivering and, and, and may not even be like directed at me. I just see stuff. There's a lot of people with the same old flyers going around in the blame game and all that. Listen, this team is in the first year of a public rebuild. Right. And they're the playing one, with house money at this well, point. I, well, and I also mentioned, but I also mentioned about these five losses or at least a lot of losses in the course of the month. The one commonality during the losing streak and, you know, whether it was, you know, Colorado, Tampa Bay, Boston, it happened against Edmonton too. Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon last weekend, uh, this week with Nikita Kucherov and David Pasternak. This just in heart nominated players can play like it at any time. Yeah. And take over game. And in the Flyers case, they got hit with it every single time. And I pointed this out during Tuesday's game. I post like I tweeted this out as Kucherov went off and I posted they don't have a player and like this. And this is a stark reminder of it. And that got met with a few replies of yet. And I get it. They've Fair. got Matt Vemishkov in the pipeline, but Matt Vemishkov is not walking through the door tomorrow. And True. this is the way it's going to be when you face players like that right now. And at this moment, you don't have anything to match that. No matter how red hot Travis Konechny gets or Owen Tippett or Joel Farabee, no matter how hot they are at the time, you can't match that. And that's what the Flyers need to strive for in development. You've got to achieve that to really get where you want to go. Again, it's only year one of the rebuild. And I think that everybody should be enjoying the fact that the Flyers have an identity and that they pl- are playing above expectations and possibly could make the playoffs as a result of those things. Sure. It's 45 games in. They're in a playoff spot. It's possible. But and- if they don't, it's not going to be the end of the world. Other sure. teams in this division, in the conference, in this league are much, much closer to achieving the success that the Flyers want to get to than the Flyers currently are. And if this thing runs out of gas because of buy-in from the entire team uh, and playing a certain way just isn't sustainable for 82 games because you can be as invested in it as you want to and you just don't have the legs to play how they have to for an 82-game season, then so be it. You can be excited about the future of the team. You can trust it. And by the way, I'll get into this later, but you can trust in the new regime to get it to where everybody wants to go. And you can enjoy watching what you are on most nights that, you know, which has been a competitive team, even if it doesn't go anywhere beyond the 82 game season at the, you know, this, or a, this 82 game schedule this season. And I get it. Like at this point, we're 50 games in, there's 32 to go. So 
I think that part of the equation is, is that when you're 50 games in, even after five straight losses, there's 32 left. You're in a playoff spot. You want to see it finished because Absolutely. we're this far already. Why not finish it? But, you know, and anything can happen after that. Even if the odds are as long as it gets, you like, like you make the playoffs, well, anything can happen. Well, yeah. And if, if you make the playoffs, this roster gets real fun real quick. Well, sure, and and they well then they're going to have to play the same way they did, and then again, Absolutely. you know, and Think I get that. It. Think about it, Garnet Hathaway. Uh, well, everybody's well, geez, I, had, first line I was going to say, Gloria. has everybody wanted to see playoff Risto for what ten yes. years? Yes, I want Rasmus Ristolainen to commit felonies against people. Well, and and get away with it because it's well, the and, and in fairness, and in fairness, by the way, there's no guarantees that the roster is completely the same. Come, of course, whenever April hits, but of we'll course. get to, but we'll get to that as it kind of comes along. I mean, it, you know, but and this this is the point that I want to make that goes back to what you started to say because I had said it after they lost, kind of throughout the course of they lost to Edmonton. I said it on a radio thing, okay, uh, that. I get that they're, you know, they need. I think they need the break, and I'll say what I said when they were going through a bit of a slide the last time. At any point, this could all be over or it could level off and they could be everything we thought they were going to be. Yep. But when they had the last losing streak, which was the one that kind of kicked off 2024, um, where they were on the West Coast. Yeah. I said then that the team had at least earned the opportunity to prove that this wasn't them and that they could get it back on the rails. And if they don't, then that's how it goes. Right. But I didn't want to write it off because of a four game losing streak then where they got a couple games to overtime. And I don't want to write it off because of a five game losing streak that didn't really down well, the stretch to the all-star break. Well, well not only that, but that didn't result in a whole lot of movement. If, yeah. if they lose five games in a row and everybody else got hot and they fall right out of the playoff picture, then yeah, I think I might be writing it off a little differently because no, at the that Flyers point, I'm at, four points clear of the playoffs. Well, right. I'm yeah. saying if I can like, if I can look at it and point out, well, Pittsburgh is going on a run and New Jersey's right there and the Islanders are going to go on like are, are on a bit of a run. If things had changed with some of these other teams, then I totally feel that way. But I can't because it's not like they were alone. You know, they weren't the only team that was going through struggles at this point. So might as well see who corrects themselves first. Right. And goes from there. Like at well, the end of the day, like this is and this is why like the goal differential thing was really a good one. You know, like the yeah. fact that they're now minus one because. Go look at some of the other teams in a division. The Islanders are a minus 23. The Devils are now a minus seven. And part of that, I'm sure, has to do without being with being without Jack Hughes. Of course. The Capitals are a minus 31. Yeah, like, I think the Capitals are just bad this year, though. Well, like, exactly. And I look like I kind of looked at it and I'm like, I get that the standings show that all of these teams are once again kind of back to within five points of each other because the Flyers went on a slide now. But for a little while there, I was looking and I'm going, Washington's not a threat in this kind of not the way that well, I see it. And, and looking at looking across the division, I don't know if Pittsburgh is either. Just the way Pittsburgh's going to make me curious because Pittsburgh offensively has more than enough firepower sure. to go on a run. And Sid's they, warming up. Right. If the goaltending falls apart there or defensively they are a dumpster fire, which is always possible, especially because it was the way it was earlier in the year, they will fall right back out of it. I agree. And, and this is one of the things I think I said before also in terms of, as much as the Flyers are sitting there with teams behind them that have games that they can make it up in, I'd much rather be the team that's got more completed than be the mm -hmm. team that's sitting here going, I'm not in a playoff spot. And think about it. Like, these other teams, every one of them, the Islanders, the Penguins, the Devils, the Capitals, they all have to be able to look and know 
that the only way you're getting there is getting the third right now. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to surpass whatever the margin is in front of you. And you're sitting there looking, going, we got to make up five points, six or four points, five points, right? And to an extent, possibly six, depending on how tiebreakers are going to work. Right. And, and and you're battling with each other, you know, in the process. Well, the, the Metro is going to be fun to watch coming down the stretch here. Sure. But what I'm getting at is, is that like what I'm getting at is, is that those four teams, despite having extra games to play that could get you right to that spot just by winning them, there's an element of pressure that goes along with it in terms of, well, we got to win the games that we have to make up in order to get back into this thing. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise we're sitting in the same spot that we were before. And now we have less time to make it up and they're going to keep playing too. Well, and that's why, that's why what the flyers did in the first half of the season was so impressive because you did build yourself a little bit of cushion. You got four sure. points. Um, you don't need to play perfect hockey. You, you know, obviously you have a little bit of wiggle room. You want to, you want to win as many games as you can, but uh, if this team comes out of the or comes out of the All Star break and looks anything like the team from three weeks ago, I think we're okay. Sure, po possibly, and and that's yeah. remain remains to be seen. I'm going to tell you what's going to get fascinating really quick because like February's not this loaded. You already kind of alluded to it. it's not this loaded down month in terms of games, and they still don't play anybody within the division until the Stadium Series. Yep. And I'm just curious that once that point hits, because you're going to wipe another five games off the schedule before then. So you're now going to be through 55 with 27 remaining. And you, out of the 27, they have three games in February that are divisional. Yep. I go to March and I'm trying to count on the fly. So give me a moment. Washington, Carolina. I believe three more there as well. Because Washington, Carolina, New York. And then yep. go to April and it's Islanders. Columbus, even though they're going to be out of it by then. Rangers, Rangers Devils, Devils Caps, Caps to close it out. Like yep. all of a sudden, and if, and if the Devils and if the Devils and Caps are anywhere in it, then those games are going to be absolute. Dogs. I, I mean, I even lumped the Islander game at the beginning of April yeah, into that too, because That's they're valid. right there with it too. Like all of a sudden, like you're going to play the division a lot. You know, like we said, it's three and three, only six games between now and the end of March. And then all of a sudden you're going to get to April and, and it's like four or five, five, out of, seven. It's five out of seven. Yep. But even then five with six more, we just mentioned by the time the stadium series hits, you only have 27 left. So 11 of those games out of the 27 are divisional. Yep. They're important games. I mean, even down to, let's put it this way before, like you can also include in there that over the course of February, they're going to play. Toronto, they're going to play Toronto for the first time. They're going to play Tampa again. They play Florida. You know, Florida is going to be in there twice or well, once in February, they go to, you know, they go to March. They play Florida two more times. They play Tampa the last time Toronto, two more times. Um, these teams that are hovering around the wild card is where I'm getting at with that. Like, yeah, you know, like I get it. Detroit's in there too. And they just closed the season series with Detroit, but you know, you got a lot of games against teams that are hovering around that spot, too, where it's like those matter. That was why. And it was why, like, I wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have shocked me going into the week if Boston was a loss. Right. Boston's really good. The Tampa and Detroit games were ones that really mattered because you're talking about two teams that were right on your level going in. Like, in right. fact, like we said, they're below every team in the Eastern Conference in the playoffs right now, point wise, because that's the way it shook out. And now league-wide, we were talking about this team a week ago, even despite the two losses that they had, still being top 10. Yeah. Now you're 14th. 
Yeah, you've slipped a little you've bit, obviously. You've the middle of the pack again. When, and, when you go a week and a half without getting any points, that's kind of what happens in today's right. NHL. And, and, well, and, and, and this is kind of the crazy thing is because, you know, and again, I'm not trying to play doom and gloom, but if it were to continue in the opposite direction, like you're in the playoff spot, you keep, you go back, you go back to your winning ways. You're pushing to make the playoffs. That's, that's the upside. Oh yeah. The other side of it is though, is that six points the other way, if you continue to not get points because they're, that's how these games are going. Time to trade Nick Sealer. Well, it, it's, it's not about who they trade and what they do at the deadline. I'm talking about everybody who looked at what their draft position was going to be. It's not like if they don't fall out of this thing that they're just going to end up being the last, you know, 15th or 16th in the lottery. Right. There's a way for them to fall back into the, you know, into the 20s and and be right around 10th. Yeah. And suddenly be back in play for a top 10 pick because there's that many teams that are close enough. Like, yeah, things are lumped pretty tight. So, like, if you do, if you're going to be bad, the gap, like, if you decide to pull the shoot, pull the shoot hard. Sure. Like, do you know what they're going to be facing? Honestly, and Washington had like Washington last year had foresight on this to start to be sellers at the deadline, despite the fact that they were right there in the playoff race. They had yep. foresight on this. That's where you hope Danny Briere's mind is in terms of and, I, and I'm not saying get rid of everybody. Obviously, they made a couple of decisions. One was no one was obvious. The other one was. I'm not calling it questionable, like in terms of why you do it. It's questionable in terms of we didn't know what this guy's future was going to be as we get into it. And right. there's other guys that you face the same decision with on, you know, defensively. There's two guys that you have as pending UFAs. What do you do about them? Yep. What do you do about, you know, and you, the fact that you have at least one extra defenseman on your roster at the moment as it is. Sure. You know, until something clears itself up. And, yep. well, and in fairness, by the way, that was if you want you want to point at at why things started to fall apart and players that need the break individually just in the Boston game alone uh Travis Konechny and Joel Farabee were both minus 4 as forwards yep. and and that's strictly and why because that's strictly because you were tasked with you're the top line defend go stop, go stop defend David Pasternak and you couldn't um yep. defensive the defensive pairing of Travis Sanheim and Jamie Drysdale and I told you last Saturday like on last show that last Saturday, Sanheim was the worst player on the ice because he didn't That's know, true. like because he didn't look like he knew what side to be on with seven. And it was weird. And he looked like he, and obviously you're again, you're tasking him with covering McKinnon. Right. Good luck with that when McKinnon's the way that he is. So guess, you know, guess who goes minus four again, you know, against the Bruins and, and Drysdale did too, by the way. So Drysdale doesn't come out of this, Scott free either. Like no, no. he's had a rough go and I get that his situation since the trade is not perfect. He, you know, he was sick for a while. Apparently he's still like, he still wasn't completely feeling himself and he was sleep. He's sleeping on a couch because well, he hasn't I, gotten to bed yet. I was going to say, I assume he's going to be spending this week, like getting his house together and he's got a place to live and right. he needs to decorate get his bed. Well, no, he needs to get his bed. Well, that's fair. Cause that's but... what he didn't have. He's been sleeping on a couch, you know? So, Oh, listen, as, as somebody who's in the furniture industry, I get it. Things take time. Sure. Um, well, and it wasn't like it was a small move by any stretch. You're going from Anaheim to Philly. Right. You know, that's, that, that's not a yeah. uh, it's not a short trip. And, you know, sure, it takes some time to get your stuff out from Anaheim. But anyway, yeah, Um, that's all I'm saying is you're going to have to make those decisions and they're going to be, you know, let's let's face it. We were coming on the show after five game winning streak and. 
talking about how they were within two points of the division lead. And yep. that kind of also like it's why, I, you know, like there's an element where I'm like and maybe this is why not why I'm doing like I'm not doom and gloom about it. But it's like there's an element where I'm glad they're going through this. Yeah, because because it's a reminder of what they really are at this moment. Like if they if they search to the top and next thing you know, they're taking the division lead in a year where everybody said rebuild. What the hell does that tell you? Well, and like, even if. Okay, but what if they come out of the break and win, you know, six in a row, uh, right? Four of six, even four of five, right? All of a sudden, you're going, oh, they might be a big boy team. They might be like a real, like they might be ready to go. Well, sometimes it's not. And listen, sometimes it's not because I go back to that Ottawa game, for example, because it's a different story. If you lose to Colorado, win against Ottawa, and then it's like, oh, yeah, you lost three games. I, I, you know, I'm, and I'm not trying to go backwards to something and I'm not trying to make a direct comparison, but hear me out a little bit from a locker room standpoint. Okay. They find it. You assume anyway, that they find out about the Carter Hart thing roughly, even if it's just in the days that, you know, like the day before or even Sunday that they might know something, but Carter Hart was there on Sunday to back up and wasn't on Tuesday. And the release comes out three hours before the game. And it means that whether, you know, whether they have answers to give or not, they're going to get asked a little bit about it, you sure. know, um, at least in the immediate. And then you're going to get just just so that everybody who does what I'm doing can get the statement of I'm not making a comment or whatever. Right. Just so you like because so obviously they, the record that well, you well, asked well, well, just and they were buttoned up about it and you expect them to be. But what I what I'm going to like what I'm trying to liken it to. And again, it's the situations are vastly different. So I get it. But do you remember when the Flyers were playing pretty well to start the 2019-20 season and then Oscar Lindblom found out he had cancer? Yeah, and the road trip went on and the road trip went well the no the road well not the whole season, but the road trip they were on was terrible. Yeah. Because how do you go out and play when something that changes your your world pulled out of your locker room? Whether what and whether it's for good or like like obviously, like I'm like because you can rally around Lindblom and it's we're fighting for this guy because he's he's fighting for his life. We're fighting for him. And they ended up. It may not be the same way with Carter Hart, obviously. (laughs) But but my point, and but my point is, is that in the immediate, when something shakes up your room and changes it, you know, at the core, one way or the other, positive or you know, like negative news, that whether you can use it as a positive to inspire or whether it's just a straight up negative, it's it doesn't you know it's still it's hard to go out and play, and be at your best. For for a little while, like that's part of what the break helps too, that you can kind of move on and try to figure out a way to figure out how you go on with with your season with sure. you know without the guy in the room and because circumstances are circumstances. Right, it's a physical break, it's a mental break. Honestly, it probably comes at a decent time because you get to kind of everybody gets to go for a couple of days and then well, when you, when you honestly, gather you together it's the new group well because you could have honestly reversed the two results from the you know from where i'm talking about to the end of the week you could have told me that the tampa game was 6-2 and they gave up four goals in the blink of an eye and they were more competitive against boston and i would have told you that's the result of hey by the way this news just came out and that's where our heads are at today entirely versus you know versus you know because that's all i'm saying is that bad news does something to like they're human of course whether and and whether the negative news has serious implications attached to it or not is it still is gonna from a human level hit you a certain way this is especially like especially when we're talking about professional athletes who are in the top 
0.1% of their sport. Like any sort of slip is a can be a major uh decrease in performance. Right. And like listen, think think about it for a second too. As we were connecting the dots with that. If if you're a member of the team and you start to realize that like hey, all that stuff that I heard is true or could be true and there's at least more gravity to the situation right there's something going now you're on sitting there somewhere. now you're sitting there going this is a guy who I'm, i go to battle with every night i'm friends yep. with we we do you know on the road it's team we dinners, go to dinner together stuff. right like, like cam cam york spoke after the tuesday game against tampa he was his roommate okay his I, was, roommate I was about was to Hart. ask if we knew who his roommate was typically. right okay right and it's like how do you do you know so that changes your world sure you know like that's a guy you room with. It's somebody you stay with over sure, the man. road trips. Like it, it's going to hit you from a human level. So that's, a, a, which is another reason why, like, I guess to go back to what I was really saying was with perspective, give them a chance to see if this is who they are at the stage of it or not, because right. that's another element that from a human standpoint, their world got rocked this week. Yeah, entirely. And so, you know, fig, you know, figure it out. And this is, sure. this is and this is why I'm saying also, like, in general, it's January as a whole was a month. And this has less severity or, or the first thing had less severity than this. Like Carter Hart's news shakes up your room way more than the idea that you had to go out and trade a player that yeah. most of them didn't know for a guy <laughs> right. who comes into the room. Like, like, it's kind of like to an extent, it's easy to brush off. Hey, Cutter Gauthier didn't want to be a flyer and everybody gets oh. in front of a microphone and goes, right. well, I never really met him. So like, if he doesn't want to be here, I guess that's his choice, but we're going to go forward. Jamie's pretty cool. Right. Right. <laughs> well, and apparently yeah, no. a few, apparently a few of the guys already knew him coming in too, which was another angle of it. Like that's always you're nice. bringing a guy like Jamie Drysdale and it's like, Hey, I, you know, I, I train with him. I used to, you know, you know, all that type of stuff. Like, yeah, that, that changes things up a little bit, you know? And so while, while, while we're trying to put it all in perspective, Oh, by the way, like January has also been busy because there was more news on the positive side that dropped this week. Um, so it's real, but like, and we're getting to that in a second, but like my point is it's really been a month. And I think everybody, as we said, could, and as I said, everybody, I think could really use the break, use a reset, come back ready to go for the final 32 and we'll see what happens. And Let's, that's why I'm willing to give this team the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Because, like, they I, I have was, and it. I was willing to, and I was willing to do it when they were losing, like had a losing streak the first time around they sure. hadn't lost. They hadn't lost four games in a row all season. Right. Going into January. Then they do. And, and at least it was cushioned by two of those games got to overtime. You got a little something for it. Oh, two and two before you win another game is not bad. Right. In the great, especially when it didn't cost you that much, and then and then you looked pretty dominant for a little stretch there. Well, and then you well because then you won a game, you lost a game on the day that all this other chaos was going on with the Gautier trade, and then you won, then you ripped off five in a row, which really, when you equate it with the other game that's involved, you go that's six out of seven. You're back. Yeah, absolutely. And then it slipped away, you know, like, and that's why I'm saying, like, even if they go into the All Star break on a three game losing streak by, you know, because they won against Ottawa. You can still even take it and go, despite the loss to Colorado, you won five games in between the two losses. You had another win against Calgary, another win against Ottawa. All right. You won seven and nine before three straight. Even that sounds better. Yes. And and, and let's also not forget about the fact that the fourth loss of that earlier four game losing streak, I've said before, you self-sabotage yourself with your lineup that night against Columbus. You should have won that game. Yeah. You should have won that game by having a better lineup, and then you let it to nothing, and you still let it get away from you. Like, 
those two games and the fact that you only got one point instead of four when you could have gotten four, we're having a different conversation. Right. Seriously. It's a totally different conversation if we're sitting there going over the course of the last month, they lost five or four, six games in regulation. And it was Connor McDavid, Nikita, Nikita Kucherov, Nathan McKinnon, David Pasternak, and two other games where you just didn't quite have it. Right. Well, and even if it's just the two games that you win, right, the Ottawa game and the other one, um, four extra points still put you one behind Carolina for second. Well, I'm giving the I'm giving them three because it's three oh, because they, okay, they okay, got okay, a point okay. against Columbus, and now I'm changing okay. that to the like they should have won okay. that one. So even if you had three more points, you're at 59, and the Islanders are at 52. A seven point playoff gap is a little bit safer than the current uh, four. Sure. Like if you're sitting, That's, if we're sitting here at the All Star break saying, "Hey, the Flyers are seven points clear of the playoffs." Well, and like, generally speaking, too, like to to lose if they would have lost three in a row down the stretch going to the break, yeah. and you're sitting there going, "It's the first time you've seen Tampa with all of their firepower." First time you've seen Boston, who's definitely on a roll and is having another one of those types of seasons. I think you just shrug it off, and and just like the color, the second Colorado game, you go, "If you get burned by a super talented, heart nominated type player." You get burned by a heart nominee, right? Right, like they're they're top ten players in the world for a reason, right? And if you come and if you can come back with otherwise, that the only other games you lost were again one like because let's keep everything else the same. That they go into Detroit and they don't have Owen Tippett as part of the lineup, and sure. and the Carter and Hart's news is still what it is, and things like that. That that maybe you're you know okay, so Arison's getting more starts, so maybe he's wearing down a little bit before the break, and that's why you know, and he didn't even look bad in that game. Like two of those goals were as fluky as it gets. Totally, you know, like totally, you know, the bounces just go against you, kind of thing. Then you sit there and you sh- and you shrug that one off too. Or, or like we said with the game against Pittsburgh, where it's like there's a whole lot of other stuff going on outside of the game itself to the point where the game didn't even matter. So most people don't even remember that they – how many people probably even remember that they lost to Pittsburgh earlier in the month? Because, Very few. Because that, that specific game was overshadowed with, oh, by the way, Cutter Gauthier was traded. Yeah, and uh, by the way, as far as uh, Sam Harrison's workload goes, you don't have a back-to-back coming out of the break until February 24th, 25th. So you do have like a couple of weeks there where he can probably start every game. I wonder if they still try to squeeze a game in there out of Cal Peterson somewhere. It depends on how precious the points are. Like if you win your first three, I could see Cal Peterson playing against Arizona. Maybe I kind of see I kind of see him playing against Seattle potentially. Okay. I don't disagree with that, but if you but if you lose the first two, if you lose against Florida and Winnipeg, I think you have to play Sam Arson to try to get some points. Sure. Well, it's going to be Arison to come out of the break. It's going to be Arison yeah. against Florida and Arison against Winnipeg. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I think if they lose both of those games, he has to play against Seattle too. Probably. I mean, well, guess what? At that point, he might be playing all of them. It, that's what I mean. Until like, yeah. But okay, um, you mentioned you mentioned a player a minute ago who did not play the other night. Sure, but he will be playing in Philadelphia Flyers Orange for a very long time. Yeah, uh, the Flyers announced some contract extensions this week, and um, on the same day, or yep. close to, or at least yep. the reports came out on the same day. And we'll, Danny, Danny Briere was one busy guy on uh, Friday. Yeah, and we'll mention the the smaller one a little bit later. But the big news here, the big top dog story, Owen Tippett is going to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Well, at least theoretically, for another eight 
years after the end of this season. Right. Uh, he will be making a hefty $6.2 million per year. It's just about $49 million over the length of the contract. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? I'm very surprised that they got this deal under $7 million. I agree. Um, just given how the numbers look, given Tippett's potential. Uh, Danny Breer, when he spoke about this on Friday night, um, joked that yes, the hot streak over the last week probably got him a few, uh, a uh, few extra dollars yeah. out of this it deal. Was, it was 5.9 a couple of days ago. <laughs> um, you know, here, cause it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a very team friendly deal over the course of everything. Um, oh yeah. Eight year, this actually, kind of term. Fun, well, and actually funny, funny enough. So I'll even share a story and I'm not trying to jump into some things, but this was pretty funny because I was just, just as an aside here, I was talking to after the, after the, because this, this all came out, they were doing the morning skate for the alumni game that night. Um, so we're in the locker room afterwards or whatever. And I was over talking to Chris Terrian, um, who obviously is part of the snow to goalie podcast. Right. Um, and he, he, I, so I, and I, I, Bill Meltzer was, was also with me at that time. And, and Bundy sits there and says something about, you know, so tip it, huh? Or whatever. And we, told him what the reported terms were and his eyes nearly shot out of his head when we said 6.2 million because as he in, couldn't believe that that's value. very low. Okay. Right. Like as in like, that's it, I you know? So here's what it's I said. an incredibly team friendly deal. Obviously it is here's, still a bet, but it's a team friendly deal. I'll let you well, go. Yeah. Day. Here's, here's what I said in the group chat. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if this is, kind of the start of the next phase of Owen Tippett's career where he does this consistently every year or even exceeds this moving forward, then I think this contract is a great deal that ages incredibly well as right. the con- as the salary cap goes up. If this is a flash in the pan and he kind of settles somewhere in this range, um, and this is maybe the, top, the tippy top of that range, then it's a manageable deal that is okay and ages into being fine. Yeah. I mean, pretty much, um, you know, I'm trying to liken it to other contracts on the team, because obviously I I think if, if it reaches its full potential, it's exact, you know, and it's funny because we, we literally started to have this conversation last week because we were talking about tip it a lot that what's the next contract going to look like. And I don't think, you know, the question was, was the years more than anything, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately that it was going to have to match up. And that's why I said, I kept going off of Farabee got five by five. And when Konechny had re-upped all those years ago, he was six and it was 6.25, I believe is what it is. Right. Or no, I'm sorry. It's less than that. It's 5.75. I think something like is, that. Yeah, actually. But, but that was back. That was five years ago. Right. That connecting with signing that deal. So obviously things change with the cap then and it would be worth more now. And that's where you started to equate the number for Tippett was going to be if Connectney got six six years and right in between five and a half, six million, you know, like like that, then you were figuring that Tippett was going to start to teeter towards it's going to be at least six. It's got, you know, it's probably got the potential to hit seven because the cap has changed. 6.2 is, you know, we kept going, we kept going up as the years went up too, by the way. Like it was, oh, if it's seven, like if it's seven years, it's going to be seven mil easy, you know, because that's, he's going to want more as the well, contract you're buying, goes. Right. You're buying, buying the UFA future. years. Right. right. So it's an incredibly team friendly deal. And I kind of like, 
I kind of liken what you're talking about to um like on the lower end scale to what Cam Atkinson has become because Cam yeah. Atkinson's making near six million dollars and you're getting like the streaky goal scorer who can give you like 20, but it's gonna happen over the course of like two big hot streaks, not consistently over the year. And right. Tippett's definitely streaky in his own right, but you get what I'm saying. Like sure. Um weird but, it, but it's also got the potential to age just like the connect near Faraby deals could. A uh, weird fact about this contract, by the way, I don't know if you've looked at it on Cap Friendly. Uh, I did have Cap Friendly up at one point. I'll go back to it just to. Uh... There's a modified no trade clause. I do know that there is yeah. for the middle four years of the contract. It's an eight year deal. The first two years, there's no no trade clause. Then years three through six, there are years seven and eight. There is no trade protection at all. You know what? You know what that is, right? I mean, that's the team protecting themselves, and hey, we can. Oh, I, no, I, I, I hear it's the team protecting themselves. You know how often you hear something like that, though, that it's not just hey, this kicks in in two years, and then it's for the rest of the contract. I feel like most of the time it is for the rest of the contract. Right, that's what I'm saying. So you know yeah. what this is, right? Okay, what is that? As Danny Briere playing 3D chess instead of checkers. Okay, like every every other GM in the league is handing out. Okay, you want a no move? Here's a no move, and it's so just the duration of the contract. You're saying he's already looking at his cap situation in 2030-31, which is the first he's season definitely on thinking the back end the with no trade protection. Well, I, I, like I asked him this on Friday in terms of, so and I don't think you're wrong, by the way. Like, there's a, certainly a chance he could be. So last off season. They signed Sam Harrison before his contract. We talked about this. They got ahead of Sam Harrison. Right. That he's already under contract for two more years beyond the season. It's done. They don't even have to deal with it. Yep. And you go out there and you sit there and you go, this was Tippett's contract year, but it's done now in January, not in May or right. June. And it's and we'll get to Ryan Paling as well. And that wasn't finalized at the time, but it was, again, it was a one-year deal, and before we get to June, it's done. Yep. So I kind of asked, is there an emphasis on getting ahead of some of these things when, like, with whatever? And, you know, he kind of downplayed that a little bit in terms of, like, both sides have to be willing. Like, there's sure. agents that wait for, um, you know, wait for that opportunity or whatever. And, like, I get where he was going because, like, what he's trying to get at is, is that, like, look, at the time, Tippett's on a hot streak. Yes, they were working on this before then, obviously, but Tippett was on a hot streak. Who's to say that they couldn't have backed down and said, we'll wait until the end of the year. Let's see we'll when he crosses. Cools off a right, well, or when I will wait until he cools off, it's when he crosses 30 or he, if he's pushing 35 at the end of the year, right. then let's talk. Because if he's at 35 at the end of this year, then he's probably going to have 40 potential. And if he does, I want him to be paid like 40 potential. You know, yeah, it changes. Think- it changes the game. So, I think yes, both a, sides need to be willing. I think there's a real chance that this is one of those deals where three or four years into it, you go, man, how did they sign that? Well, by the way, also, and I this is completely out of the blue kind of because it's not a player we're talking about, but this is something interesting. Did you see that there was a report out about how uh, there's how potentially Morgan Frost is still in play in trade talks? Huh. I, I can't see how that's possible, but I understand. Like, well, just hear, now, just hear me out because yeah. something that Danny Breer said is going to just trigger a thought here. Okay, because what? Because it had to do with the answer I'm talking about to the question I asked. Because Breer kind of talked about how, uh, like, it goes both ways. Like, the player and the agent have to be willing to also negotiate to get these things done ahead of time, like that or whatever. Certainly. 
And then he said something along the lines of, there are some players we wanted to extend that the team, that the, that the player and the agent are not willing to at that time. Oh, interesting. And it, yeah, you know what's interesting? Or, or I'm sorry, he mentioned wanting to do long-term deals mm. with, a, with players. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way because they're not willing to at that time. Sure. And I can't help but think about how Morgan Frost was one of the last players signed last offseason. Very late, very close to training camp, very much like we're trying to get something done and we're going to have to settle on something rather than get done what we want to get done. Right. I'm starting to think again, and it's a, it's a connecting the dots kind of thing, so I'm starting to think there's a possibility that they wanted to negotiate longer term with Morgan Frost and instead got the two-year deal that ultimately came out. Okay. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that that is also why there is a lot in play about his future still, because if, if, if you if can't secure a player long term, if he is determined if, to exercise his rights, don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, but if he is determined to maybe go test the free agency market or or whatever the situation may be, right. get paid what he's worth. Totally. Um, but if, at a certain point, if you as a general manager, if you have control over a player and you cannot exercise it, then you gotta right. trade them, trade them while you can. But my yeah, exactly. And my like my point with that was just kind of how it just sounded like there's there's more than more than Tippett. There's guys on the team that they feel like they know are going to be long term pieces. And and look, maybe that's why Briere looks back on it and is part like he's not the GM at the time but maybe you know he's I'm sure he's signing off on let's keep Travis Sanheim for eight more years and do that at the beginning of last season. oh yeah it's 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 the eight years there it's the Sean Couturier extension that didn't kick in until last year I believe right you know it's stuff like that you know getting ahead of a few guys that you know are fits and yep. or at least that you feel strongly about their fits yeah and this is something um, that we've kind of talked about is going through the rebuild process at a certain point, they'll start nailing guys down long-term mm -hmm. and we saw the first one like this. I, we talked about Sandheim, you know, being a move that Danny Breer probably would have at least known about, you know, generally agreed with and right. going back to Couturier, but like, this is the first one in the Danny Breer era that has his name on the masthead. And right. This is the first tent pole. Like, okay, this is a flyer. This well, like, guy is a flyer. And like I said, it's still a bet on Tippett because for, first of all, you're you're making an eight year beyond this year, eight year commitment to a guy where nobody's promised tomorrow. Oh, absolutely so, not. So anything could change the course of this and turn it into it's it's not a good deal because you're stuck. Like, obviously. You hope not. And and like the greater bet then like something like that happening is just if he doesn't pan out to be what they think they see now, like you're betting on, he can be a perennial 30 goal scorer, keep increasing production to a level that fits the mold of probably what Travis Konechny has been, because right. that's roughly what you're going to be paying him to be. Like, let's be clear. You're not paying Owen Tippett $6.2 million a year or having a cap at a $6.2 million a year for him to be a top line guy. That's not no. what top liners are making. Top liners are now making nine, ten eight, million dollars. Right, eight at the bare minimum if you get them on a good deal. Right, like actually, believe it or not, at this given point in time, you could theoretically, if you wanted to consider Tippett a top line talent production wise, right now on this team anyway. Right, you could conceivably look at the Flyers next year on cat, you know, with with what they have on cap friendly, and say, 
your top line left winger then is making $6.2 million. Your top line right winger is going to make $5.5 million. And your top line center is making $7.75 million. And all three of them would be bargains. Absolutely. If they produce to that level. Now, I guess the counterpoint goes back to the whole conversation we had about the last week of play, which is, you know, they're not Kucherov. They're not McDavid. No, they're not totally. McKinnon. And that's why those guys make $12.5 million. Well, sure. And I, I think as the team rebuilds around those players, I think you would eventually like that to become your second line in exactly. a lot of ways. Now, um, obviously, uh, it depends on what Travis Konechny's next contract is going to look like, you know, at a certain point. But in the meantime, if you can get... Y- y- in theory, you have a top line player coming in Matt Bamichkov. Mm-hmm. Um, in theory, of course. Um, and we've talked about the fact that Danny Briere is very likely to try. It looks like he is trying to set the team up to utilize the three years of Michkov's uh, ELC to the best of his ability. Sure. As we sit here right now, this is this is a piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you you put six million on the books. That's great. You lock him in by the end of the contract or kind of through the duration of the contract. If Owen Tippett ends up as your second line left wing, I think you are very, very, very happy with him at that number for that term. Well, by the way, do you do you know what the near lateral move is um, in terms of cap in okay. this situation? Because because there's only one year where both of them are making this level of money and then one of them is presumably not on the team anymore. Okay. Cam Atkinson's making $5.875 million and essentially after next year, maybe even after this year, depending on what you decide to do, you're swapping out Cam Atkinson at almost the same money for a player who is instead of being 34, 24 and getting his premieres at 6.2 million. That is a tidy piece of business out of Danny Breyer. If that's the case. And that's why I'm saying like it, it, look, this, it's got, that's the biggest thing. It's a good deal on potential. If he plays to the level that he looks like he could and it ages well in that respect, then you've done great work here. And if it doesn't, it'll be a bad deal. But it's if but 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 it, but the but the the track record so far tells you like you this is what we talked about last week. You knew you were going to have to pay him. He scored 27 goals last year and he's what is he at 18 this year? Something like that. He's so far he's, with ha- with with a third of the season to go. He's on pace for 30. He's plus. on pace for roughly 30. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. At, at the very least, he's on pace to match last season. It, absolutely. And Even twice if he be slows at 20, down right. And twice be at 27, which is just shy of that 30 goal mark. And really, actually, what you want to see more than anything from him over the course of the next several years of this contract isn't that the goal scoring picks up and he suddenly becomes closer to 40 than 30. It's if he rounds his game out more to also set guys up and become like, like if he's 30, 60, you're thrilled. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that is entirely and that's likely. what he's got to do it. But that he's going to have to do that with consistency. And yep. that's what will determine how good this contract. Well, is. And when you're building a team. You need a guy on your second line to have 75, 85, 90 points like to in today's NHL. Like it, it's not enough to just have one line for the most part. You need some amount of depth scoring. And I don't know if I would go so far as 80, but I think that you do need to you got to break 60, maybe 65. Okay. Yeah, because there's there's teams that I see have a massive drop off from the top three to yeah. I think seventy is really where you want your second line to be. Honestly, like you want that depth production. Like, look at Vegas. 
Well, you know what though? I'll tell you what it is. Depends on what kind of team you are. If That's you're true. all if you're all offense, like you can't be the Edmonton Oilers that need to outscore teams and not have somebody else beyond the top three who score like that. You okay. need four or five. Like you you need you need your power play unit to look like they're all elite players. That's true. Toronto. If if you're a different style team, and I'm just throwing out a team. You know, like New, I think New Jersey last year was like this when New Jersey made the playoffs and looked really good and things like that. They didn't have anybody who was over the top point producer, like not a ton. Jack Hughes was really good, but they didn't have a ton. They didn't have even no, like, true. like, but why? Because you defend differently. If, if you're, true. your major goal beyond, hey, one guy can score a lot or two guys can score a lot is we're really good defensively. You don't need a guy on the second line to be scoring 70, 80 points a game. You just. Mm-hmm. You you need you need the differential to be his defense is good enough that it saves five ten, five to ten goals the other way, right? And I don't care that he doesn't add five to ten more to his total and gets me to sixty points. That's true. Okay, you know that's um, the way that I look at it. Do you want to go to right. uh, the other guy? Yeah, I did. Uh, Ryan Paling uh, has also signed an extension, uh, two more years after this one at one point nine per. Little raise for Ryan Paling. Um. Decent little contract. Uh, we talked about the fact that he is a uh, a really quality bottom six slash fourth mm-hmm. line guy in today's NHL. Um, he kills penalties. He provides a little bit of value there. He's mm-hmm. um, like a solid player. Really good bottom six slash fourth line guy. Right. Almost everything about this deal makes sense except for one thing. And I'll get to that. So I'll start with all the positives like you kind of just touched on. He he is the fir- the perfect fourth-line player. Yeah. Generates speed. He's been able to produce from time to time because of it. He kills penalties. To pay him $1.9 million is not outrageous in any way. No. Uh, we've talked about before how John Tortorella, and Briere actually echoed this as well uh, when speaking about him, but Tortorella said it a couple times. He loves how he bet on himself with this one-year deal that he took in the, in the offseason. So this is the reward. You've played well through half of the season. You've done everything they have asked of you. You've been able to stay in the lineup for the most part. You're being rewarded with a contract. It's not like they went out and made a decision this past offseason to sign Garnet Hathaway at 31 years old to a one-year deal then and just extended him for two more years. Right. They they gave a 24-year-old a one-year contract. He's 25 now. Um could continue to play himself into the picture of the team's future. If all goes well, it's a two year deal while he's in his twenties. There's nothing wrong with that. The one thing I didn't like at least today, and there's potential like, and this could change, but at least today is there is potential that paling blocks somebody else's opportunity. Okay. Now, if this clears itself up with other moves down the line, then it's a different story. Like if you get to the off season and you decide we're buying out Nick Delorier because we, you know, he's, you've kind of started to experience life without him in the lineup. You pulled him out of the lineup a few more times lately. Maybe you start to see how other guys belong more that you want your fourth. You don't want your fourth line to be rough and tumble guys. You need it to be guys like Paling and Hathaway can, can skate better, you know, and guys like that. You want that, right? Um, What if you decide, what if you do decide this off season after, constant years of speculation what if you decide this offseason is the one where you move scott lawton well what if that's, 
that's actually a player that I wanted to bring up. Sure. Well, and, and I'll bring up like another one I was going to yeah. bring up was like I just mentioned. What if the, what if you move Cam Atkinson after this year because the off season is right. Well, is well because the off season is ripe for. We've got a guy who's on a contract. He's a veteran. He's making this kind of money. You know what you're going to pay him. He's got one year left. He's got one year left. So if you don't want him down the line, you can move. Like his next contract's probably going to be a little cheaper. Sure. Maybe you decide to do that. But, then keeping pay like if 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 something like that happens, then keeping Paling at his age and in his role makes a lot more sense. Because Paling in in a fourth line role, by the way, isn't blocking anybody. No, it shouldn't or it shouldn't be anyway. Because right. we've already talked about this. Like like this is why like Bobby Brink got sent down. You yeah. don't want Bobby Brink playing six minutes a night on the fourth line. You want Correct. him playing real minutes. So Eighteen they, minutes a night in Lehigh right. Valley. Yep. Well, in, in Lehigh Valley, but if you're going to bring him up to the Flyers, you don't want him playing on the fourth line with Paling no. and getting eight no. minutes a night. You want Paling to play with Garnet Hathaway, with somebody even along the likes of Nick Delorier, if that's what it means, because they don't play as much. And the well, other nine do. But Well, right. And so I mentioned Scott Lawton there. I think there's some potential that Ryan Paling could turn into a Scott Lawton type player. Now, obviously, they're they're physically a little bit different. Paling's a little faster than Scott Lawton is. Sure. Um, but they play a similar style. They play with that little bit of gritty edge. They, they're good on puck possession. They're good killing penalties. Um, Ryan Paling was also a first-round pick who's blossoming a little bit later in his career. I think there's some real reason to believe that Given the opportunity and given the right system, and it certainly seems like he's fitting in John Tortorella's system fairly well, he could turn into a Scott Lawton type player kind of moving forward. And I think that would be that would end up being fantastic found money. Well, you're you're saying it also because of the fact that when necessary, they've tried to move him up in the lineup and he's worked out yeah. on occasion. Hit and miss. Yeah. Right. But but so is Lawton though. Like you don't want Lawton playing on Absolutely. your second line. Like no. Lawton's fit for your bottom six. And no, when I when I talked earlier about filling out the team and how Tippett, you know, ideally kind of ends up on your second line. Scott Lawton's in your bottom six of that team, sir. Scott Lawton's on your fourth line playing left wing at that point, if that's the way you want to go with it. I don't and and, and and to be fair, like Lawton hasn't had a good stretch lately. Like, I don't know no. if you saw like and I, I think I put this out on social a lot during, of penalties. During, well, during the, well, just in the last two games, he's taken five penalties. Yeah. That can't happen. And Tortorella's talked about not having that happen. So that's <laughs> scary to think about. That feels like the sort of thing, and we, we you mentioned it a little bit earlier. It, it feels like the sort of thing where you're playing with some other thoughts in your head. Oh, even beyond that, like it's just one of these things where it's like you know when you start to take more penalties when you're tired. That's true. Like yep. you're getting run like this schedule in this month, and this is I kept calling it the gauntlet. Like if they were able to come out, like, and it was funny because ironically when they played Dallas, and this was where I was trying to go with it. Like when we talked about it back at the beginning, it was like. You win five games in a row all of a sudden. You've got, I think they're at that point in time, they had won, what was it? Because it, they, uh, we had said they'd won six of seven. They had lost the first two coming in. So, okay. Even so, you had a six, two, and one record through nine games. You have, you know, because of that, you have 13 points in the standings. And I had somebody send me at the very beginning of the month, right after the Edmonton game, because I, or, or maybe it was right after the Calgary game, even as January started, like, because it was like, hey, by the way, your next game is Edmonton. Have fun. Um, You know, you've like, you've only lost three or, Two in a row at that point. Your next game is Edmonton. Have fun with that. Man, um, Edmonton's Edmonton's crazy. I know. Uh, well, and I'm t- I will throw something out about Edmonton in a second that I and and made. they just added Corey Perry. Oh yeah, I know. Ooh. Well, just uh, I'll throw something out. They about have Evander Kane and Corey Perry. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 
Do you want to play them in the playoffs? Holy crow. Um, uh, there were a few, there were, there were, there were, there were a few jokes going around on social about, I'm sure about, about, no, about the type of players that they've added. Um, I'm, I'm sure not talking about were. this. I'm not talking stylistically, yeah. um, especially with the other news we talked about. I, yeah, I knew where I'm you sure, were I'm sure you that saw one. that this just in Edmonton acquires jokes. Yep. All week. Um, yep. Uh, anyway, anyway, back to what I was trying to get. So what, like, but at that point I had somebody send me like beginning of the month that if they could get through, cause we said it was 14 games in 26 days, basically. Yep. If they could get through that with 18 to 20 points, it would be ideal. Okay. Right. And they got to the Dallas game and had five games to go and we're at 13. And you're literally saying, just get, you could, that's why I said you could go over, yeah. over those five games, you could go two, two and one and get there. Two wins out of the five, one game to overtime, and you're okay. And I kind of looked at oh, Ottawa wow. and Detroit as the ones that, like, hey, listen, if those you just win those, get, fight, fight in one of those games against one of those top teams and get a point, and you got to 18, and you're probably sitting pretty. Supremely doable, yeah. You know, and instead, they got nothing. 0-5. Oh, All right. Rough. Um, um, But, yeah, so that was, the deal, that was the deal with that. Um. Uh, where what was the thing? Oh, with, of, oh, with, oh, with, of, with, real quick with the uh, Edmonton thing yeah. because ev all everybody talked about, and I saw, look, I've seen both of them firsthand in the past week, roughly, to see McKinnon and Kucherov do what they're doing, and everybody talks about them for the heart and all that stuff like that, and look at the point production, or whatever. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, watch Connor McDavid over I the next know. stretch. No, no, no. I would not be surprised. Like you don't look at him initially and think, oh, he's in this race. He's in this race. He's in this race. He's putting up just, like four four points a night. Like he's doing great. Well, last night, yeah, like Saturday night, for example, when they go into the break and they win their sixteenth in a row, he factors into every goal again, just like he did against the Flyers. He's he's you know, silly. It's silly how good he is. I think honestly. somebody. Well, I had seen a tweet somewhere along the lines of that over the course of it, Kucherov had put up something like some some ridiculous number. That would you know over five games or something like that, and somehow or other McKinnon had five more points. Yeah, McKinnon somehow in there and and gained there. ground despite that kind of number or whatever. And then you go and and have somebody ask you, go oh, by the way, go look at what McDavid's done. Yep, you know, like it's just silly, stupid. It is yep. it's straight up stupid what those three can do. So, uh, yeah, like okay, it's it is it really is silly, and we. We are definitely watching one of the greatest players of all time. Like I, I mean, have just, no doubt about it. I just want—I just wanted to even grab like, and this doesn't even sound impressive when you think about it. But just because he's got seven points over the last two games, he's got nine over the last five, though. Right. Um. So it doesn't sound as impressive, but he was just—he's just consistently putting up one point a night, with the exception of like one game in there since since getting five against the Flyers. You know, like it's a point here, point here, point here. Okay. And then all of a sudden now in the last couple, it's here he comes seven points, two games. Yeah. Certainly one of the greatest players of all time. And speaking of some of the greatest players of all time, Kevin, you had the chance to pal around with some absolute legends on yeah, Friday. This was we saw you. We got some pictures from down at ice level, basically on the bench. Um mm -hmm. Man, Kevin, it seems like you had a pretty fun Friday. Uh, got to hang out with the Flyers and in, in indirectly the Bruins alumni teams. Yeah, I didn't um, really talk much with the Bruins alumni yeah. or anything like that, but definitely. Uh, How was the day? 
Uh, it was a blast. <laughs> it was just an absolute blast. You um, well, you you guys really liked what I want to put into the group chat. The picture that I sent of the uh, I I told well, I don't did did I tell you guys that that was the reason why the alumni team picture was delayed? No, that's really funny. Because they were waiting for the, the they were waiting for the the group right of Dan Hilferty, Keith Jones, and Danny Briere, and it they all three of them were like. Brad Marsh had to have come over to the bench three or four times during the course of this and like been like, are they on their way? Because the guys are getting antsy out here. Like, like they, they were done with the skate part. They wanted to just go hang out. And, and that was, you know, that was the end of that. Right. Um, so we were waiting and waiting and waiting and, and Hilferty comes through and Jonesy comes through and you're still waiting on Danny. And, and like you're checking, like as we're checking our phones and finding out like, Oh, and Tippett's getting an extension. And later on, we found out Paling was getting one too. And it's like, he's a busy man. Right. So, uh, so I, I even like, I'm looking at it now. I even texted you guys, the, uh, the man with the plan and you know, whatever you guys, you especially liked that. It was a live photo. So you could see the handshake that he was giving to somebody. Danny, if you ever see this clip, I just (laughs) want to congratulate you on some excellent handshake form, sir. It was a good one. All right. It, it must. It, well, it must just be a hockey thing. So anyway, so that was that's the that's the part with that group, by the way, because because and th- this, by the way, this is what Danny Briere was talking about when he did a press conference later on in the evening. And it's like, hey, guys, I, I keep seeing you like we meet again. I guess that's my fault, though, you that's know, funny. like or whatever. Like he he know he knows like he, <laughs> you know. He this, knows he's been active. Well, and for what it's worth, by the way, and this is before, like, I'm, I know I'm still talking about the morning skate stuff with the alumni game and kind of all this fun stuff that I was going, that I was experiencing. But I will say they put Dan Hilferty, Jonesy, and Danny on the bench for um, the first period as honorary coaches of the Flyers alumni. Ah, uh, nice. And they introduced them as part of the pregame. Okay. The building loves them, some Jonesy and Danny. And uh, like Hilferty to an extent, but like Hilferty, Dan Hilferty is who he is. He's the, the ownership representation. There's there's an appreciation, but like people aren't going nuts, right? Uh, right. No, they put Jonesy on the board and they put Danny on the board and the place erupted. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like these are our two guys. We're behind you a thousand percent. Let's go forward. You know what I mean? Um, Either way, so so by and by the way, here's here's a footnote that I know you'll appreciate because I know you'll know where I'm going when I bring this up. So the alumni had the Flyers' main locker room. You know, just just something. Yeah, that that's a bit of an important detail when you consider some recent history. Yeah, they had the main the the brand new main locker room that looks great. Um, Ron Hextall in shambles. It might as well when you go in there, by the way, after like a morning skate like that for a, a, a enjoyable night that they're going to have. It might as well have been a reception. It's you just know, ban- it's just banter and conversation and joking around. Uh, and things I, I thought like you were going to say open coolers of beer. Uh, that was post game. Um, OK, yeah, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Um, the you know, it was and look, because it was obviously it was a celebration for Mark Recchi, who, by the way, for morning skate, Recchi wasn't there yet because obviously he's got a job. <laughs> to be he's, honest, he's, he's busy. He's an assistant coach with the Columbus Blue Jackets, so yeah. he was kind of coming in from the previous night, I assume. Um, right. So he was not there for the morning skate at that point. Um, it was also a celebration of the 1974 Stanley Cup team, of which, by the way, uh, I believe that maybe only three or four living members of the team were not able to be there. Everybody yeah. else was. It was I mean, wild. the whole team is there. I and- watched 
to the pregame ceremony as I could. And it and was, I'm st- and, yeah. and for what it's worth, by the way, they're, they're going to go take this picture. And I'm just standing in the tunnel as literally they're paraded past to go on the ice to take this picture. And it's like, holy beyond, smokes, be, look at these the, names. Well, well, beyond the obvious that we're used to seeing, like, it's not like I, I'm not really super starstruck by bernie or clarky or anything like that the guys who are there. Around i've the seen them you've seen like, bill barber a hundred times right pretty much but as you're watching is like guys who don't come in very often yeah, i feel like dave schultz thing. doesn't come out very often he hasn't lately he looks really he looks Man, great he though. looks so good um, come on well, you, do you know who, do you know who 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 was there who i think who i think still looks pretty good all things considered okay. too dorney was there gary dornhofer was there and you haven't seen him in a little while yeah, that was it was cool. nice seeing him um so you know guys like that um so yeah, it was but it was it was great. And um so you know covering the game itself obviously and doing all that type of stuff. Um you know by this point Mark Recchi gets in. Mark Recchi scored two goals and had an assist in the game which, you know, um I'm sure there was a little bit of uh intention there uh to allow but 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 he still I'm, but he still I'm, has the uh he very much still has the shot that he had as he when he was an active player. I want to I I'm so curious. I got to ask some Columbus Blue Jackets how hard Recky's been trying in practice the last <laughs> That would be weeks. pretty good. Um, I have to go and like, I, I'm going to check. Because you know, he, you know, he's been gunning it to get I'm himself gonna kind in of, game uh, shape. I'm going to kind of check to see the tribute video that they showed again really quick. Because I'm pretty sure in the video, he scores the goal. It's against Carolina in the video clips. Okay. He scores a goal on a breakaway that was almost a carbon copy of what he pulled in the alumni game, which was really cool to see because you're like, because nice. you're like, he still got it. Like, yeah. like, like genuinely for a second, I was thinking about this kind of after the fact. It's 2024. You don't think like for a second, like how much time has passed since he actually retired as a player after the 2011 like 10, Boston Bruins Cup run. It's been 13 almost 15 years. years. Yeah. Like you don't think that. And yet. He looks great. He looks great, and he's he yeah he he looked and he was having a blast, and that was awesome to see, you know. Yeah, like it was just awesome to see. It was so cool. Um, and on top of like like ultimately like we we talked about a little bit. There was a couple things that kind of changed about the initial roster. Um, obviously okay. it was he was supposed to play on the crazy eights line again. Uh, Brett Fedick was not able to come in because he had torn his rotator cuff. Right. Um, unfortunately. Uh, Robert Esch was going to be in goal. Robert Esch had a, uh, I think I said a lower body injury. <laughs> um, so he was not able to play. They did. They got a uh, pretty good uh, backup for uh, Brian Boucher there. Michael Layton came. Michael Layton, by the way, is in outstanding shape. I mean, yeah, dude. He, I, I, he, and I know he just retired fe- relatively recently. I was going to say, I, I feel like if, if an AHL team called him, he'd be relatively available. Well, I mean, if, in fairness, Bush is in really good shape too. All things, you know, all things. By the way, Robert Esch stepped in and was uh, was an assistant coach for the game instead. By the way, so in the picture that I sent you of Danny Briere from the bench, um, Robert Esch is standing right next to him, pretty much. If, if I don't know that's if you picked up difference. on right, well, I I don't know if you picked up on that. That's who that was. Right, um, that's who's standing next to him. Yeah. When when they saw each other, because I guess they haven't seen each other maybe for a little bit. Robert Esch literally smiles. Uh, Robert Esch hugged him and literally picked him up off the ground. Oh, that's so funny. Got hang time on that one. That's oh, so that's there so you go funny. there. Um, I for for what it's worth, by the way, because the goaltending was pretty sharp in the alumni game, all things considered. Yeah. Like both both goalies played well. I did I did see Boosh on Saturday afternoon prior to the actual Flyers Bruins game. 
uh, and naturally was he had, walking a little, walking a little. Well, gingerly? I naturally I had. Well, he was he was walking fine. He said he was sore, yeah. but I but naturally I had to ask him how you feeling. You know, like, yeah. How how are the hips? I, how are the knees? It, there were two. I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see the other guy that I wanted to see the day after. Um, because Bush was one, and I wanted to see Fridge afterwards to see okay. again how you feeling. <laughs> right. Because Fridge is a character, man. I mean, like he's just he's just a ton of fun. He was trying like hell to score a goal. Oh um, yeah. You know, he wanted one badly. Um, now, amongst all of that, because obviously, look, Mark Recchi scoring two goals in an alumni game the day before he goes in the Flyers Hall of Fame. Super cool, right? Yeah. Um, Mike Richards scored a shorthanded goal. That was sick. Sick. Um, there's not going to be a, the coolest one for me on the night, though. You know, Recchi's having a night, and he technically gets an assist on this. But um Springing John LeClaire on a rush and then the setup for Eric Lindros to watch part of the oh, for me to be in the box man. and say that I was up there for that to watch the dynamic duo connect one more time. So cool. I mean, that's everything. And you know this because we've talked about this enough. That's everything I grew up on. You grew up on it. Like, you know, and we even got it. We even got a Donald Brashear goal yeah. assisted, assisted by Mark Howe. There's a combination I'm sure you weren't expecting. And you know what? I think that is a great place to kind of. Well, put I, in. I have a couple more things okay. to say about this before we. Oh wrap yeah, up. okay, yeah. Because this was uh, this was a couple of things. Um, Patrick Sharp scored, by the way. Also, shocker, by the way, he's in great shape, still skating smooth as anything. He looks like he could still play. Um, so with that setup, it's not fair how handsome that man is. <laughs> I hear fair. you. I hear you. Well, this, this no, because this is where I'm garbage. With, this is this is where I'm getting with a couple of things with this because obviously, okay, like that set that set the stage for the ceremony the next day. One of the things that I did afterwards, because like I said, it was an open locker room after morning skate on Friday. So we're bouncing around talking to people and things like that. And I kind of, you chatted a little bit with people, but for the most part, I went around just trying to get some stuff. And I was writing, I was going to do a story on Recky for Saturday or whatever, ahead of the game and the ceremony and all that stuff like that. And it, it evolved to something that I really could theme around a specific topic because I talked to several of his past teammates, guys that would have played with Recky when he was playing here. And everybody said the same thing. And I, I like if you go and read the article, it's up on everywhere you can find me 973espn.com and sportstalkphilly.com. Jonesy, John LeClaire, Patrick Sharp, Todd Fedoric, everybody talked about what kind of leader he was. And I, I, I was happy to grab a few of those guys and get in questions about what kind of player was it like? What was it like being this guy's teammate because you right. played with him and things like that? Um, I'll save these in the memory bank for later, maybe during the bye week, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. because while I had John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp, I also asked kind of what it's like watching the reaction to this year's team a little bit because they're upstairs pretty frequently. Yeah. And got some good stuff from them on that respect as well. I hear you about Patrick Sharp. It is not fair. Not fair. It's not fair, Patrick. Pat, by the way, do you know how Patrick Sharp's not really skating much these days on ice? Apparently, he's blading a lot. Okay. okay. Interestingly enough, um, just it was an interesting tidbit, you know, ball, kind of ball like hockey comeback. Uh, by the way, he also because um, I was while I was doing the interview, we were part of it anyway because we were kind of semi scrumming. There wasn't tons of people at the morning skates. Right. So it wasn't like the typical. Um, Jackie Spiegel, who's working for the Inquirer, was next to me doing part of an interview with uh, with Sharp at the time, and I was there, so I was getting all of this. Obviously, like I'm there to get the audio of this, but she was asking a lot of questions about, um, kind of going around asking asking guys about the gear that they were using because these are alums; they're not necessarily using the most top of the line gear that the active NHLers are or whatever. Any joke buckets? 
What's that? No, I didn't see anything quite like that. Uh, actually, funny and uh, funny enough, by the way, Sharpie had said something along the lines of that they had to, he had to uh, uh, edit the helmet a little bit because he had to peel the Chicago Blackhawks stickers off of the helmet and get Flyers funny. stickers done for his helmet. Did but, did, but, did Mark Howe bring the Cooperalls? No, Mark Howe did not bring the Cooperalls, but but he was out there. He was out there. Oh, by the way, a footnote from the game, also by the way, that you have to throw in Joe Watson. At 80 years old, so making, cool. making an entrance and then finding way. Well, the whole thing was cool, though, because the ceremony beforehand, by the way, if you didn't get chills, you're not human. Watching oh, him bring yeah. the Stanley Entirely. Cup out with the players who did. And a handful of them. This was really funny, too, because it was on the stream that they had for the game, too. Um, so they take the picture. A few of them reach out, put their hands on it, that kind of thing. And then Oris Kindrachuk just goes for it and goes, no, screw this. I'm picking it up and picks it up <laughs> and. And Bill Clement standing behind him and turns around and goes, pass it around. So he gets it. And he actually, yeah, and he actually, cause you know, Kendra Chuck didn't fully lift it over his head kind of deal. Bill Clement did. And, and, and gives it the full lift and, and has it turns to Dorney and goes like, as if like, come on, Can pass it around. It and Dorney goes, don't give me that thing. I can't lift it. <laughs> so they did, they did find one more taker for it, by the way. Moose that's, DuPont picked it up too. That's um, so funny. And held it above his head too. So that was, it was, it was awesome. You know, like that kind of thing. Like it was just chilling and, and great and things like that. And for what it's worth, by the way, because I brought up the part where, you know, talking to John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp about where this kind of thing is going or whatever. Mark Recchi, by the way, that day when we talked to him, when we talked to him prior to the alumni game and then after the alumni game had like noted that like, yeah, like, like after the game, he goes, this was fun. I still have to get the speech together. Um, I'll see how I, hopefully I do okay or whatever. And you know, things like that. He pointed out in the speech about bringing, you know, talking, it brought up Ed Snyder and how Ed Snyder built this on family and all that stuff like that. And, and this sense of family and things like that. And then said, between Dan Hilferty and Jonesy and Danny Briere and John LeClaire, Patrick Sharp, I believe also maybe through a nod to Eric Lindros in there too. And Lindros is really, I think, just an ambassador of this or whatever, but right. but nonetheless, it was interesting to hear him bring Lindros into that picture. Uh, and Torts on the bench, obviously, all that type of stuff like that. He goes, if, they're, if there's one thing they're doing right, it's that they're definitely bringing family back. Mr. Snyder would be proud of what they're working on, that kind of thing. And that... That's a guy who doesn't have to say those things to an extent. Like, yes, he just had a great weekend. Don't get me wrong, but he's working for another team. Sure. You know? Like he's seeing it too. And that's, yeah. that's one of the most encouraging things to come out of this 50 games into this season, this first year that they're rebuilding is that like, yeah, it's going somewhere positive. They're building a, they're building something pretty successful here. And, you know, and, and, and like, like we talked about with his leadership too, like, it's fair to say that, you know, when you go to play for as many different franchises, you did, you lead three of them to Stanley cups or help, help get Stanley cups with three teams yep. that you're definitely a leader in some way. And he came close in Philly too, things like that. So yeah, that's what a fun, what, every what, player can say. Yeah. What, a, what a fun, what a fun weekend though. I mean, just yeah. what a fun weekend for that. And it's kind of a shame that the game afterwards was kind of a dud. <laughs> just because it was you know and it, like it's a shame to say because like we talked about it last week when they played ottawa that tortorella immediately kind of came out and was like this was a clunker definitely yep. disqualified well so was detroit and so was boston you yep. know kind of it's like eh. and boston wasn't even that bad it was just it turns into a clunker quickly when you're down for nothing before you can blink man yep you know that's the thing so it turns into a clunker in that respect so it's like that's the unfortunate part but but the vibes were really cool after that 
that weekend and yeah the feeling around it and they let it's cool you know next time they have one over you know Bo- boost joked on saturday that uh the next time we'll see him play is the next time there's an alumni game so okay. uh um, that makes a lot of sense the next time there's an alumni game i'll definitely probably be trying to tag along and just be around for it because it was a lot of fun and yeah and 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 the fact of the matter is is that you know from my perspective people you know they see you there you know like they see you oh, around yeah. and and being among the group or whatever and by the time like by the time the night was over you had the group of the guys from the 74 team obviously that were there you had right. all these players playing in the game Coatsy was on the bench doing interviews um they grabbed they grabbed you know a guy who maybe literally this wasn't possible probably th- you know a few weeks ago they grabbed as their alumni head coach. They grabbed Craig Berube and said, "You coach the team." Pretty um, nice because he yeah. has because he's he's not doing anything else. Right? I mean, he's been in town a lot lately, scouting for the Blues, doing this obviously. But like, right. nonetheless, like he was around. Hey, come be the coach and whatever and things like that. So it was just yeah, it, it was, was just really cool. It was just really cool to see all those guys around and popping in and out and things like that. Ironically, the final score of the game was uh the in reverse the next day ironically yeah. um fun fun and exciting um and you know like I it wasn't going the other way and it wasn't you know like the boston side wasn't the most daunting of alumni teams they could have thrown together like yeah, to be honest you have ray bork on the ice it's still pretty special ray bork was it was cool to see bork on the ice and and you know all, like it was definitely cool you know, there was some thought about whether or not Bergeron was going to play or Chara mm. was going to play. Like, to be honest, I was surprised that the only member, because they have a few other Ber- guys. Bergeron's beyond... too busy training to come back. Don't worry about it. Well, he says he's not, but I hear you. Um, but like they have a few guys that are listed on that their alumni website that play in these games with some regularity, I guess. Like Chara definitely does. Tuka Rask has played an occasion on occasion. Yep. Um, Adam McQuaid was on, I think, that 11 team, you know, like things like that, like. The only player from the 11 team that I can remember who actually suited up in this game was Chris Kelly. Mm, okay. Which I thought was just interesting because of the fact that I thought that maybe a few more of them, even if Bergeron's not interested in doing because Bergeron's not listed. I think I think for a lot of those guys, maybe not quite enough time has passed since their hockey careers. Like they're still well, no, I would have thought that they might have come down because of Recky and because oh, it was a night true. for okay. him. Like that you're he was on that team, he retired after that cup run. Right. That maybe there's something to that. Um no, I guess not. You know, and I'm sure travel has to do with it too. Like usually, sure. you're, if you're playing a bunch of alumni games in the Boston area, and then you get to right. this, it's different. You know, like you have it, to come to Philly for this. It's a little it's different. A whole different animal, but sure. So yeah, but it was what way. it was. It was what it was. It was a fun time. Um, uh, he does still have Recky. Still did have a few teammates, I guess, who were on that on the current team. Like Marshand, obviously, was a teammate right. of his and things like that. So I'm sure that Marshand is the mastermind behind. Hey everybody, we're going to the bench to watch the ceremony. Like, oh, absolutely! Come out and watch. So both teams watched from the bench, which was cool too. That so. seems like his kind of thing. But yeah, it seemed yeah. like it was a really fun weekend. And um, so after all that, we get a break. Yeah, good little spot celebrating the past. As we look ahead, you know, the future looks bright. Mark Rackey talked about it a little bit. Um, the next kind of NHL event that the Flyers care about is the All Star break. Uh, that'll be over this next weekend. We'll talk about that on next week's show. We will also have a little bit more of a kind of a look forward uh, during next week's show. Mm-hmm. Um, but until then, make sure to follow us on social media. We're at YWT. What, blah, blah, blah. Sorry about that. We are at YWT podcast pretty much everywhere. Uh, Been a Kevin, long show. Yeah. Kevin is <laughs> at Kevin underscore Durso. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page. Follow us everywhere you follow your podcasts. Uh, make sure to find us on sportstalkphilly.com as well. Uh, yeah, like I said, we'll be back next week with a look ahead towards those last 32 games. Um, the all-star break will be over and 
We'll be right back to it. So until then, the grind is on. We'll see you.